Uh, we, we looked at all, all the, the, the fact that he was fearless in spite of the, that he was going to have to endure all of that. And, and, and just this past, uh, at, at the 830 service, we actually talked about how could he do that? How, how, could, how could Jesus be fearless in the face of what he was about to endure? How, how could he be fearless in the face of all these false accusations and all the lies that were being told about him? How could he be fearless in the face of that? And the answer to that was, was quite simply obedience to the Father, obedience to God's plan for his life. From the time he was born, he was destined for the cross, and every single time he was tempted and resisted temptation, that was God pointing him towards the fact that he would one day die, that he would one day be the sacrifice, the perfect spotless lamb for each and every one of us. And, and every single time that, that he endured one of those temptations or one of those trials, it was pointing him towards the cross, that he would be falsely accused, that he would be put on trial, in an illegal trial, as a matter of fact, and that he would have to endure the cross for each and every one of us. How could he remain fearless in spite of that? How could he remain fearless? And it was quite simply an obedience to his Father. As, as a human being, there's one thing I recognize, uh, because I, I, you know, I deal with stuff just like everybody else. There's nothing special about me. I, I stand up here and share what God's laid on my heart in obedience to God, but there's nothing special about me, okay? I struggle like anybody else. <clears throat> One of the things that I have been afraid of in the past, and I still sometimes struggle with, is I'm afraid of change. <clears throat> I'm afraid of, of things being different. I just want to, things to be kind of status quo, to continue on like they have been. I don't necessarily want things to change so much. Now, I, I know that, that, that when my, my daughter passed away, that was one of the greatest changes I've ever endured in my life. And it was, it was so radical and so shocking, and, and I hated it. We don't like change. We, we don't really like to change so much. It's a struggle. If you, if you think about what, what statistics show us as some of the biggest difficulties, the, most, the, the biggest stressors in our life, they're all associated with change. Now, one of those is, is moving from one location to another. That is a very stressful situation. Uh, you know, statistics show us that, that that is one of the most stressful situations. Another stressful situation is the death of a loved one. That is something very stressful because it's radical change. It's a departure from our normal. Uh, the other thing is, is when we lose a job or there's a job change or something like that, it's very stressful. Why? Because it's change. Change is stressful. It, 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 it's, it's, there's something about it, man. We just want things to continue on as normal. And I believe people look at Jesus. I believe people look at being a Christian the same way. I really do. I, I believe that they look at if, what happens if I surrender my life to Christ Am I going to have to change? Is it, is it mean that I'm going to have to, to give up my Sundays when I usually like to go fishing? Is that what it's going to mean? Am I going to, is God going to change my heart so maybe I don't like fishing as much anymore? Some people are like, no, I don't think he can do that. Oh, yeah, he can. He certainly can. He can make you not like golf. <laughs> he can make you all of a sudden develop a shank or something, you know, and you could be slicing the ball off in the woods. That'd be your punishment for being in the golf course on Sunday. But people, um, people don't like change, and they look at Christianity the same way. Like, if I give Jesus everything, am I going to have to change? And for some people, that's reason enough not 
to give their life to Christ, not to give him everything, to hold back some things and to, to say, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to give Jesus everything. I, I'm scared of change. Right? I, I know that I, I kind of struggled with this when I, when I was you know, going through. God was, he's been doing things in my life. That, that's the thing about, about following Jesus. I'll be honest with you. It, there's a lot of change involved in it. There really is. I, I mean, you, you think that you, you've met one set of changes. You think that you've gotten to a point where, okay, everything's going to con- kind of continue on. <laughs> like, we're going to continue doing this for a while, and then before you know it, God challenges you with something different. He takes you to a whole other level. He says, I'm going to challenge you in this area right here, and things are going to change again. I, I'm just being honest with you about what it means to be a Christ follower. For me, it, it was about, you know, the first change that came about in my life was was surrendering my life to Jesus Christ and making Him Lord in my life. That was the first change that happened. And I knew, man, when I gave my life to Jesus, I, I knew that there was something different. Something in me had changed. It didn't matter if anybody else had seen it. It didn't really matter if anybody else knew it. I knew because I knew me, so I knew I had changed. You know what I mean? Like, there was no... You can, you can hide stuff from everybody else but Jesus and you, right? Like, I mean, you can pretend and fake it and put on a, a nice smile and all that, but you can't fake it from yourself. You know you. Well, when I, I gave my life to Christ, I changed, and I, I knew that I had changed. I knew that there was something different inside of me, the way I thought, my desires, like, that. it, it was different. It was just different. Well, you know, you think, well, that's good, man, I'm good. I've checked the box. I've done the whole Jesus thing. He's my Savior. Yeah, I'm good. But I, one thing I understand about Jesus is the, the more you put your faith in him and the more you go on leading your life and where you trust in him more and more and as what happens is stuff comes into your life changes come into your life and you're forced to trust him more you're forced to put your faith there's that word faith in him more you're forced to to into these situations sometimes you're like where am i going to go for answers where am i going to go for hope and peace and all that stuff well there's only one place and it's jesus and as that happens god kind of stretches the rubber band in your capacity for love and your capacity for love in Jesus, and it kind of grows, and you start to trust him more. You take a step of faith, and you get closer to Jesus. And say, okay, Jesus, thank you. I'm here with you. I understand that you're here, and I can put my faith and my trust in you because you're always right there within arm's reach if I reach out to you. Well, then other stuff comes into your life, and then you're challenged to grow that faith a little more. And then the more and more that happens... Then God will, will challenge you with, well, if you really trust me and you really have faith in me, then you'll do this. And you go, whoa, hang on now. That's a little crazy. You're talking about teaching a Sunday school class? You crazy, you know? Jesus, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I, I don't know if I can step out there to that extent. Where, I mean, you're calling me to teach. You're calling me to speak. You're calling me to do this. And, and here's what I know about that is, as God challenges you in those areas, he will open the doors for you. And then before you know it, God's opening a door for you, and, and you're going, oh, okay, so here's my opportunity to go teach a Sunday school class. Here's my opportunity to go speak. And God goes, yep, here it is. You're going to trust me like you trusted me before? And you got a choice. You, you always have a choice with Jesus, just like on Sunday mornings. you got a choice whether you come to church or not. It's always optional. It's always optional, and, and you've got a choice to either follow Jesus or not. And some people don't follow Jesus in a particular area of their life. Why? Because they're afraid. Because they're afraid of change. They're afraid of what it means. 
let me read something to you. It, there, there's this book out there. It's pretty cool. It's by Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger. It's called Simple Church. <laughs> cool name. I like the name. I didn't know this book existed before, um, before we actually started Simple Church. I, I didn't know, before God had laid the name on my heart, I did not know that this book actually existed. But I found out later, somebody's like, you should go read this. It's a very good book. I encourage you to read it. My little plug for Tom Rainer. He needs my plug. So, On page 229, this is what it says. It says, a recent medical study reveals just how difficult change is for people. Roughly 600,000 people have heart bypasses a year in America. That's a lot of folks, 600,000 people. These people are told after their bypasses, they must change their lifestyle. Their, the heart bypass is a temporary fix. They must change their diet. They must quit smoking and drinking. They must exercise and reduce stress. In essence, the doctors are saying, change or die. You would think that a near-death experience would forever grab the attention of patients. You would think they would vote for change. You would think that the, arg the argument for change is so compelling that the patients would make the appropriate lifestyle alterations. Sadly, this is not the case. 90% of heart patients do not change. They remain the same, living the status quo. Study after study indicates that, after two, year, uh, that two years after heart surgery, the patient's uh, have not altered their behavior. Instead of making changes for life, they choose death. 600,000 people a year in America have heart surgery. And you would think, man, I got to change. I got to do something. But because change is so difficult, because change is, is so hard, people say, no, I'd rather have death than I had change. Death is way easier than changing. Isn't that the reality for a lot of people? Isn't that the reality for most of us, as a matter of fact? It's so hard. It's so difficult that, that, that we're like, man, I just can't do it. I try and I try and I try, but I can't. Can I tell you what today is all about? Today is all about change. If you think about what Resurrection Sunday is about, it is about change. It, it is about Jesus going from being dead to being alive. If that's not a radical change, I don't know what is. When you put your faith and trust in the resurrection, you know what happens? You are brought from death, being dead in your sins and trespasses, to being brought into life, eternal life with Jesus Christ when you do that. That is radical change. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't just end with saying yes to Jesus. It's about saying yes to Jesus over and over and over and over again. That when God calls you to change this particular area of your life, you say yes. And when you commit to being a Christian, you don't just say yes one time. You're saying, yes, I promise to obey you. And obey you means saying yes to Jesus over and over and over again. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. You know where I think the biggest area of change needs to happen in the church, in, in, in the Christian community. We'll just say that. People who are Christ followers, people that call themselves to be Christians. It's in the area of love. Love. I know that sounds strange. It's like, man, we're supposed to be known for our love. Yeah, we, we should be. I don't think we're doing a very good job of that. I, I don't think that we're doing a very good job of loving people who are unlovable. Do you? I mean, when you look around and, and you think about... You know, how, how you look at homeless people or how you look at, 
Uh, There's one particular example that, that that comes to mind. There was an article in Fox News about this young lady. Her name's Brie Olson. And she was actually one of the, the live-in girlfriends for Charlie Sheen when he was going through his whole losing his mind episode that he went through a few years ago. And, she was, and, and now he, it's, he's come out and said that he has HIV, and uh, she, she said he never told me that and all this kind of stuff. And uh, she actually spent several years in the porn industry. And just a few years ago, she tried to come out of that completely. And, and right now... She says she's struggling to find work. She's struggling to find anybody that will employ her because that's what she's kind of known for. And this was several years ago that she came out of that completely. She said, I don't want anything more to do with that. And there was this whole interview with her, and she was talking about how people look at her and and how people view her and how people see her and how many people don't reach out in love to her. She was talking about how there are days when she stays secluded in her house away from everybody else because she knows when she walks out her door how people will look at her. She knows when she goes out in public what people will see, the image that will be in their mind. And she said, I just want people to treat me like a 34-year-old mother of two kids from Indiana. That's how I want people to treat me. But people don't treat me like that. All they see is my past. All they see is the the images that are on TV. She said, that's all people see anymore. You know what I think? I think that that we should be the kind of people reaching out to somebody like that, going, you know what? There is change, and change is available for you, and it's through Jesus Christ. He is the instrument of change. But instead of doing that, all too often we're remaining silent. We're remaining quiet. We don't want to say anything. We don't want to rock the boat. Even though Jesus is calling us to love people like nobody else has, We're afraid to. We're terrified of it. We're scared to be the ones that step out and be an instrument of change. I think that the church needs to be an instrument of change. See, we all like the idea of being resurrected, right? We all like the idea of being called up to meet Jesus in the air. Well, some of us do. My mom's afraid of heights. She said, he better do it quickly. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. He knows I'm afraid of heights. He better call me up quickly. (laughs) We like the idea of being transformed in the twinkle of an eye, taken from this life to being with Jesus. We love that idea. We love the idea of that kind of change. But when we talk about life change, where we look different and act different and just are different because of Jesus Christ, we're a little bit afraid of that change. And Paul kind of addresses that. As we look in 1 Corinthians... Chapter 15, beginning of verse 51, I believe it is. This is what he says. See, the church at Corinth, they're always struggling with stuff. They're struggling with how to take the Lord's Supper. And I mean, they're just, <laughs> Paul's just trying to teach them how to do stuff, man, how to love one another. That love chapter, a lot of people read at weddings, that's actually about how you're supposed to handle the church and love people within the church. And here he is, he's talking to them about the resurrection. He has been talking to them about the fact that, I mean, some of them denied the resurrection ever happened. And listen, listen to what he says. He says, he says in verse 51, he's talking to them about being transformed, about being resurrected, about our bodies being transformed. He's already told them a few 
verses earlier that, that there's like over 500 people that, that saw the resurrected Jesus. It's just, this resurrection is real. It's not something we've made up. It's not something we all just agreed upon that we would say. There's like tons and tons and tons of evidence and witnesses that Jesus did resurrect from the dead. And he's trying to reinforce this. Well, one of the ways that he does that is he says, hey, you want to be resurrected, right? This is what he says beginning in verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, and the last trumpet is blown. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and those who are living will be also transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortals' bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. This is what he says. He says, there's going to be a transformation process that's going to happen. If we are Christ followers, if we're, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, then, then what's going to happen to us if we're living? He says, you've got a mortal body. It's flesh and blood. He said, you can't go to be with Jesus like that. It's got to be transformed. He says, in the blink of an eye, man, it's, it's going to, there's going to be a transformation that happens to your mortal bodies. That's what happens in your spiritual body to your soul when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's a transformation that happened. And whether anybody sees it or not, you know that it's happened. And everybody loves the idea of that kind of transformation, like being called up to meet Jesus in the air, to your body being transformed from a mortal body to an immortal body. It's like transformers or something, right? Like, I mean, it's just something that happens. And we love that idea. We want to embrace that idea of that kind of change. But when it comes to the idea of changing in such a way that we love the unlovable, we love the people that don't deserve to be loved, the people that have hurt us, the people that ha have done things to try to destroy our relationship with them, oh, we don't like the idea of being an instrument of change in those relationships, do we? I mean, a Jesus, he died and came back for the sole purpose of us being transformed. Yet, what do we do? A lot of times we resist that and push it away. And we say, no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, Jesus. I don't want to do that. It's too painful. It's too difficult. It's too much change. I'd rather just continue to do my way, my way, my way. He says, I died so that you could change. I died so that you could be an instrument of love. I died for the sole purpose that people could look at you and say, that is the love of Jesus. That, that, that's what the church is called to be. We're called to be an instrument of change. We're called to be ambassadors of love. But that's not the message that is going out from the church these days. Francis Chan, you know I like Francis Chan. This is what he said. He said, this is what it looks like in a lot of churches. Uh, this is what the outside looks at the church, and this is what they see. He said, it's like Peyton Manning getting everybody in the huddle together on Sunday, and they all go, okay, let's huddle up. All right, everybody ready? All right, here's the game plan. Here's what we're going to do. And he's looking around, and he's giving out the game plans, telling them, here's the play. Here's the play I'm calling. Here's what we're going to do. And this is what we do on Sundays, right? Like we read God's word. Here's how we're supposed to be. Here's what we're called to do. Here's the things that Jesus says, go and do this, right? So you get everybody in the huddle. And you say, okay, ready? All right, ready? Break. And, and then Sunday's over with, and we all go sit down on the bench. So the play is called. We don't actually run the play. We just go sit down on the bench. We just call the play in the huddle. Yes, let's go do this. This sounds like a good idea. This sounds like it's going to work. Let's go do it. And then what do we do? We get up there, and then we go sit on the bench. 
and we go sit down, and we wait till next Sunday. And then, and then the pastor, the quarterback, Peyton Manning, he gets up there and goes, all right, here's the game plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we need to do. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's how we're supposed to do this. You ready? All right, ready, break. And we all break, and we go sit back down on the bench again. We're calling the play. We're just not running the play. We're saying in here, man, this is a good idea. This is what we're supposed to do. I hear you. God, you're speaking to me. I hear what you're saying. And then we go outside and we go, man, I remember something I'm supposed to be doing. What was that again? Maybe I'll hear it again Sunday. You know why? Change is hard. Change is hard. I mean, don't you want to be called up to meet him in the air when you're sitting in here on Sunday with your hands raised, praising Jesus, singing, come as you are? Don't you want to be resurrected at that time? I mean, just boom, called up to meet him in the air? Well, what about on Tuesday at lunchtime when you're sitting next to somebody in the break room and they're cussing up a storm and you know you're supposed to say something to them? In love, you're supposed to encourage them, but you choose not to. You'd rather just sit there and eat your food and mind your own business and not pray over your food before you eat it because you don't want to look different than everybody else. You want to be called up to meet him in the air then? You, you want to be called up and say, okay, yes, call me up right now. Why don't we live our lives outside these walls like the way we sing praises and come down here and pray at this altar and cry out to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit move in us we do during the worship service why don't we do that out there why don't we be that instrument of love that Jesus has called us to be Connie if you would put 1 John chapter 4 up here dear friends let us continue to love one another for love comes from God anyone who Loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. We love that, man. God is love. We love, we love to hear that. How many people would love to hear the fact that God is love? Yes, amen, praise God. God is love. I love the way that sounds. But when we read the next verse, when we read the fact that anyone who does not love does not know God, we don't like to hear that so much. Because that might apply to us. We may not look like love so much. We, we may not look like what this verse calls us to look like. We hear God is love and we want to embrace it. And yes, but don't make me change. Don't make me be an instrument of love. He says, if you don't know love, you don't know God. I don't want to just say this today and let's go out there and not do it. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, surely we ought to love each other. You know, you know what's supposed to be on our minds? 
those people that look so messed up, they look so out of whack, they're ex-porn stars, they're, they're people that have stabbed us in the back or hurt us or maybe they, 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 just, they don't like church, they don't like people, you know those people that we're called to love? You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to love them because God loved us first. So much so that he sent his one and only son to, to die for us. And that, that, that's what today's about, right? The, the transforming power that exists in the fact that he sent his son. If he never sent his son, then we wouldn't have this hope. We, we wouldn't have the ability to say, say, man, I've got the idea that one day I might be resurrected in, 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 when I'm in this mortal body or I might be resurrected when I'm actually in the grave. I may be called out of the grave. That's the only reason we have hope. It's because Jesus underwent this transformation. And he says, don't you get it, man? Those people that you see that are not worth it, those people that you see as a lost cause, God loves them just like he loves you. We're supposed to be instruments of love because he first loved us. Don't you see? It's, it's this giant pyramid scheme of when, when God starts here and he loves us and he pours in to people and then those people pour into people and those people pour into people. And without love, the chain breaks, the pyramid stops. How are we supposed to do that, man? How are we supposed to continue building his kingdom if we don't love people? I see so many times we write people off and say they're not worth it. They're too far gone. That person at school that talks bad about me or they talk bad in general or they hate everybody or they've got this, this, this idea that everybody's out to get them. I don't want to reach out to that person. God, don't call me to do that. They're too far gone. Somebody else will get to them. Maybe some tragedy will happen in their life and, and that'll wake them up. No. No. We are called to be that instrument of love. We want to be transformed so we can meet him in the air. We want to be transformed so we can be with him forever. But we resist that transformation when it comes to being ambassadors of love. If we go back to 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse 54, chapter 15, it says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always uh, in, enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. This is what he says. Death doesn't have any victory. Death doesn't have any sting. Death doesn't have any power over you and I. Death does not have that control. There, there, we don't have to fear death. Because of this transformation that, is, that, that, is, that, that happens to us when we're, we're called to, to be with Jesus forever in his kingdom, we don't have to be afraid. But we don't need to let that message die right here in this place. We don't need to let that message just stay right here and stay right here. It needs to go out from this place. 
There needs to be work in our lives that represents that love, that shows that God dwells in us. That people are able to see God's love manifest in us that when we do things for other people, it is the overflow of our hearts which is filled with love that can only come from the transformative power of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be afraid of that. Just like we don't have to be afraid of death, we don't have to be afraid of the transformation that comes in life. That, that it, it's God works in and through us, that it is His power, the same power of the resurrection that exists uh, in Jesus Christ, the same power that exists in you and I. That's amazing to think of. The same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in each of us. And we have the same power. If we would just tap into it, if we would just listen to that Holy Spirit, if we just trust God, if we let God expand that rubber band a little bit further so we can put faith and trust in Him and say, God, not my will be done, but Thy will be done. I trust You. I have faith in You. I'm going to be obedient to You. And whatever You say goes. And when that happens... When you tap into that power, that Holy Spirit power, and you say, God, I trust you completely. You're the one that has the words that I don't have. Then, then people are able to see that, that manifested love come out of you and be the overflow of your heart. But there are too many people resisting the change. Too many people saying, I don't want to love like that because it's too scary, it's too difficult, it's too stressful. Are we going to be instruments of love? Are we going to be ambassadors of love, ones that are, are used by God for His purposes and for His kingdom? If we're not, then we're disobedient. And if, we're not, if we don't have love in us, then it says we're not children of God. Maybe somebody here is not a child of God. Maybe you know that the love of God does not exist within you, and that's the reason you can't show that love is because you, you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You've never given him everything. You never said yes to Jesus and no to yourself. And because of that, the Holy Spirit does not reside in you. Maybe God, through his love, is calling you to a relationship with him this morning. Or maybe, maybe, you're a Christ follower. You love Jesus. You have a relationship with him. But you know that you've not been obedient to him. You know that there are people that have hurt you, people that you look at and you say, you know what? I've been done with them for a long time. When I say those words, there, there, there are people that have somebody pop into their minds all the time. There, there are people that you look down upon, you say that their past is too much of a reflection of, uh, of too much garbage, and if I associate myself with that kind of person, then people will look bad at me. Are you willing to be sacrificial in your love? Like Jesus was? His love was sacrificial, right? You know what sacrificial love is, right? Giving of yourself for somebody else's benefit. Do you love like that? Is that the definition of the kind of love that's in your heart, is a sacrificial kind of love? Or is it a selfish, prideful, internal kind of love, and, and it doesn't go out, it stays in here? If that's you, you don't have a sacrificial kind of love, then come and give that to God, surrender it all to Him, and say, Lord, I need you to rip this out of me because it's sinful and it's not pleasing to you. And I need you to show me how to love. How was your life today? How has the resurrection impacted you today? How, how, how have you looked at the cross and God's love today? Has is it, is it just been a nice thing to witness and observe? Or is it something that has impacted you in a powerful way? So much so that you are transformed when you go out of this place. 
How's God's love affected you today? Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the power of love. God, how it has an impact for your kingdom. And it all starts there. God, if we don't speak with love, then our voices are like a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong, and we know that. So, Lord, I pray that we be ambassadors of love. We be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We love to hear the fact that you transform us, that, that you can transform us in the, in the twinkling of an eye to go and, and meet you and be with you, God. But I know there is transformative power in the Holy Spirit who comes to indwell us. And, Lord, sometimes we ignore that. Because change is scary and it's difficult and all of those things. But I pray that we would not be a people that ignores the calling of your Holy Spirit. That we would be people that embrace the change. God, that we would not be people that just get in the huddle every Sunday and say, Yes, God, I know what you want me to do. I I hear your voice. I hear the play that you're calling. I I hear what you're telling me to do. And then we go sit back on the bench. God, I pray that we'd be a people that would go out into this, this world and we'd look completely different than everybody else. The people that seem unlovable, we're reaching out to those people. The people that everybody hates, let us go and be ambassadors of love to them. God, the people that have hurt us, let us go to them first and say, God loves you. And people will say, the only way that can happen is if the love of God exists within them. God, I pray, as we've forgotten sometimes, God, you've opened our eyes. God, we've forgotten sometimes just how powerful your love is. God, show us your love. Remind us of your love. Remind us of the love that exists within us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us be forever changed by that. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you, I pray that you just draw them to the cross. God, you bring them from death to life. Somebody here, God, I believe they're seeking love. They don't feel loved. They feel empty and alone. God, I pray that you remind them that you love them. That the God who created the universe is a God who loves them and knows them so intimately. Some people just need to hear the fact that God loves them. They are loved. God, remind them of that fact. Father, thank you for this time. May we be obedient and responsive to you as you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone please stand?